0: Hello, Monetization Nation. I'm Nathan William, your host. Today, we're going to talk to Yagneshwaran Ganesh, popularly known as Yag. Yag. Yaga is an award-winning marketer, author, podcaster, and TEDx speaker. He's the director of marketing at Avoma and the podcast host of the ABM Conversations podcast. He's also a best-selling author of eight books, including the Revenue Marketing book. In today's episode, we're going to discuss revenue marketing and how we can implement it in our businesses. We'll cover the following key takeaways. Number one, revenue marketing focuses more on profit and the end goal than expenses and short-term goals. Number two, to implement revenue marketing, we can use the game framework. Gather, agree, map, and execute. Number three, our sales and marketing teams should be aligned before we begin to execute anything. And number four, there is a power in imperfection. Thank you so much for joining us on the show today, Yag.
1: Hey, thank you so much, Nathan. I am super uh, excited to be here on the show today, and thank you for having me here, and um, can't wait to get the conversation going.
0: So can you start off by sharing with us something that you are super passionate about?
1: Yeah, so I am super passionate about content, especially in the world of marketing. That's something that I um, live in day in and day out, because that's a great opportunity for us to storytell, and uh, you know, there are if you look at it anything and everything around us is inundated with content you know it could be a video it could be uh, you know something as simple as what you tell yourself is a story and that in itself is a content sometimes the wonderful aspect about this is that though as a marketer you know you and i might know uh, how a brand works how marketing works but still uh, when uh, the when apple announces uh, the new product that comes out you still are happy to stand out on a line, at least pre-COVID, to go out and buy that because that's the story. That's the power that we like to buy. And that's something that uh, you know I'm super excited always to try different formats and um, see how people react to it.
0: I love it. So you're passionate about storytelling in your content. All right. Can you share with us the greatest home run that you've hit in your career, the greatest success story? And I guess in India, it's not it shouldn't be a baseball analogy. It should be a cricket analogy. So can you share with us a st- the biggest time that you've hit it out of the park for yourself or one of your your customers?
1: So I would say... Um... There are not one or two specific places where I've it out of the park, but it's been a series of learnings all through my life. Um, It's been a series of trying and, uh, you know, uh, going through the motion and identifying what works and what doesn't work. For example, even if you look at some of my books, right? So I started uh, my career of writing. As as a fiction author, my first book was called uh, Taken Already. That was a fiction book. And then it sold kind of fairly well. I did not expect people, like about 800, 900 people to actually buy the book. But then uh, I realized that, hey, I'm in the world of marketing. I'm speaking. I'm doing keynotes in the world of marketing. I'm consulting people in the world of marketing. But why am I writing this book? And one day my publisher called me and he said, yeah, uh, you know, if you're going to be writing a marketing book, I'll publish you for free. But on the contrary, if you're going to continue writing fiction, I'm going to charge you the, double the price that I'm going to charge others. this. <laughs> and, and that made me think myself like, hey, when somebody is kind of uh, so concerned about me and uh, wanting to give me a push this way and even ready to publish me for free, what am I doing? And I was thinking, am I in sync with myself or am I sinking? And that became the title of my first marketing book, which is called Is Your Marketing In Sync or Sinking." And uh, from there, what happened is... Um, one of the biggest things that happened through this book was uh, I always believe that it's not just me sharing whatever I know, but also talking to people uh, from different parts of the world and leaning into their experiences and what they have tried out and learning from that. So I started reaching out to different kinds of people around the world. And uh, it so happened that I spoke to one guy called uh, Chris in the Netherlands, and uh, uh, we just started talking about something and then uh, we recorded a session together. It was supposed to be a 20-minute call became a two-hour conversation. And then uh, six months fast forward, I was in his house in Netherlands. And uh, from there, we took it to the Chamber of Commerce. And uh, we kind of became such good friends that until COVID, uh, we have visited each other at least once every year. So I would say um, earning good people and uh, making good friends has been my uh, biggest um, takeaway from all of these things. And of course, the monetary benefits and the business benefits do happen on the side but I love to focus on uh, relationships and what we learn every day.
0: Uh, Can you share with us any secrets or stories you have about credibility marketing?
1: Uh, One of the fundamentals that I look at when it comes to uh, credibility, again, I'll go back to the way uh, we tell stories. Um, So one of the things that um, we figured out uh, in Aboma, like just for people who are listening, um, I work for a company called Aboma, which is into conversation intelligence where you can typically listen to the conversations of your prospects and customers and, uh, you know, get analytics out of it, uh, you, like different people can use it differently. But broadly, what I'm coming to say through uh, this is that one of the things that I figured out that helped me really in my storytelling that resonated with my customer is that on a daily basis, when I uh, went out for a jog in the morning, I used to pick up my headphones and I uh, used to listen to a customer calls on a daily basis on this platform. So the kind of questions that a prospect would ask my account executive or the kind of things that the customer support, uh, I mean, customer success manager would discuss with uh, your set of customers. And then you realize that, hey, you know, um, instead of me trying to just broadly look at uh, my hypotheses and then going with if this picks or not, let me start creating things around what my customers are asking for. So um, even the channels that we betted on, even the places uh, we went to, even the kind of people that we hired on the team, uh, all of these things came out of it. For example, one of the things that we figured out was, uh, you know, one of our customers was asking us about this thing that we have in, a, in our product, which is called uh, measuring the number of filler words. Like how many filler words do I use uh, in a conversation for a salesperson, right? And uh, the interesting question that this guy asked was, um, hey, I see that you have this filler words on your uh, analytical uh, dashboard, but how does this, how does it help? Like, you know, in the sense, um, because I use filler words, does it mean that I'm going to uh, not win a deal? Um, so what is the significance of that?
0: And will you define what you mean by filler words really quick?
1: Yes, absolutely. So filler words typically is, uh, the set of words that you use during a conversation. Like for example, right now I'm using a lot of like, uh, so that is a filler word. And, um, uh, sometimes I use, uh, you know, as part of the conversation a lot, that's a filler word. I use so- the word
0: and a lot as a filler word. <laughs>
1: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Right. So um when we discovered this uh, and he was asking, because you, you use filler words, are we going to lose deals? And that made me go back and think, Hey, we have this feature in the product. Fantastic. But how do we uh, establish uh, the use for this? How do you make it a, a credible thing to have rather than just saying, uh, Hey, this is a feature. It's a bells and whistles. No. Then We went in, we did some analysis. We realized that just because somebody uses filler words, they are not going to lose a deal. Absolutely not. But on the contrary, if somebody uses like 70% filler words for every 100 words that they speak, they're going to end up giving a very bad experience. We saw those numbers saying that, hey, the call experience was not great there. It felt like, you know, the person was not well prepared or the person was not confident. He was nervous, whatever. And the third thing, the most interesting part was if somebody had absolutely no filler words in their conversation, it felt way too plastic and rehearsed as well. So so that was a bit of moderation where um, we discovered that there was this one or two percent of filler words is ideal for usage.
0: Interesting. That is powerful. (laughs) You need a certain percent of imperfection to be authentic is what you're exactly, saying.
1: Exactly. You know, so it feels like, hey, this person is being real. I mean, at the same time, it does not mean that I'm trying to insert certain things, but I'm not trying to be over-conscious to stop everything. That feels like we're having a real conversation and that is very, very powerful. So at the end of the day, it goes back and boils down to just one thing, you know, at the end of the day, if people are able to connect with you uh, in real time. If you're getting just five, 10 minutes to spend with that person, and if they feel like they're talking to a real person, that makes a lot of sense. Again, if you translate that into your website copy, are you talking too much about your product or does it feel like, are you talking to their problems? Right? So if you look back and map everything, it's about how you connect with people. And that's where credibility is um, you know, manifested. It's not about um, which influencer you bring it, bring on board, uh, you know, how many uh, likes or retweets you get. None of those things really matter. What matters is, do people trust you? And uh, one of the interesting measures that you get is, like, say, for example, as simple as customer referrals, right? So in our initial days, what happened was we built our entire referral model because our customers started referring to a lot of their uh, network and we did not have a process or a platform to do that. We we were excited that this is happening, but over a period of time, we thought that we should be rewarding our uh, uh, people, our customers who are doing this and built a model around this. So that's where credibility begins. You know uh, you know uh, why people are doing this and you're rewarding them over a period of time rather than the other way around where you say that, hey, if you do this, I will incentivize you to do this. That's That's not how it should be working.
0: Monetization Nation, I want you to stop really quick and and listen as we restate just a couple of really super valuable takeaways here. So so the first one he made was about the kind of the power of imperfection. And you know, we when we're presenting and talking to people, we don't want a lot of filler words like um and you know, like those kinds of words. Um <laughs> but we need a certain percentage of those or else we feel robotic we feel like it's it's not real and authentic so often we feel that we have to be perfect we have to have the perfect lighting and the perfect makeup and the perfect backdrop before we ever film anything and and that's just not true that's not what our audiences want when we do that we actually take away from the authenticity and the power and the credibility of the message we're trying to share so if, if we just got done with a run and we've got something we want to say and want to record it on a video, we might consider just recording it. Don't worry about getting to the perfect backdrop. Pull out your phone and record it. And, and there is a power that comes from the authenticity of capturing it in that moment. Any thoughts on that?
1: Yag. Yeah, you're absolutely spot on. You know, a uh, lot of times, uh, it's okay to say that, uh, you know, I made a boo-boo. That's absolutely fine. Uh, rather than saying that I'm the most perfect person in the world. Because yeah, even the lighting example that you get, you know, it's, it's fantastic. When you look at uh, if you scroll on the on, on your LinkedIn feed and you see certain videos look so very professional and it, it feels like, OK, it's going to be a marketing message, whereas somebody is having a conversation, you stop and you at least try to give a listen as to what the other person is saying. Uh, so you don't want to come across as so polished that um, it, it feels like they're trying to push something on you, whereas somebody is having a conversation who feels just like you.
0: Let's dive into your book. Let's dive into the to the main topic here of of revenue marketing. Will you start off by explaining to us what is revenue marketing?
1: So this started off to me as as a uh, excitement aspect in the world of marketing because for a long time it felt like marketing is one of those departments that is more of expense oriented, and that is something though it is a little um, you know. Probably 2012 or uh, 2011 kind of a thought process kind of boiled down even to the way certain things were done even in 2014, 2015. You know, if you look at some of the marketing automation tools and all of those things came in, the measurement from there changed from um, even based to looking at lead generation. And, uh, whereas when you say lead generation, it's not, you know, uh, generating an opportunity. It often meant like, Hey, I would put out an ebook there. Somebody downloads it. It becomes a contact. I send it to my, uh, salesperson and they look at the contact. What happens is they don't find any value because they are looking for people who is interested in their product or service that they are selling. But if this person does not have that intent, then that lead gets thrown away in the garbage. That's done and dusted. And then there's the friction between the sales and marketing team. And then came the demand gen aspect, where you said, it's not just about sending a contact, but making sure that these guys have a need for your product. But then it also got a little bit uh, you know, withered down to the good old uh, band concept, where somebody is looking like, hey, if you have a budget, if you have an immediate need, uh, that if you have a timeline... Um, and are you, uh, do you have the authority to make a decision, blah, blah, blah. And then it, it became more of a shortlisting. But ultimately, marketing has to be in such a way that there needs to be a method to the madness why you're doing something. Um, the outcome need not be always exactly revenue, but it needs to be measurable. It needs to at least uh, lead to something that will eventually lead to revenue. So that's where the logic of revenue marketing comes from. You know, uh, it's not just about building a predictable revenue all the time, but it's about doing a set of things that make sense to the bottom line or at least the top line of the organization.
0: And I know this next question may seem obvious, but why does a company want to focus on revenue marketing and, and how is it different than other marketing strategies?
1: So it majorly depends on where you are as an organization. Like say, for example, if you are in a startup, Um, especially like, say, for example, in Avoma until about a couple of months back, um, I was a one-person marketing team. And what happens in that kind of a situation is that you are not going to be having the opportunity to do pretty much anything and everything. Uh, You have to make sure that uh, the set of things that you are putting your time on um, give some results to the organization. So at that point of time, uh, if something adds to revenue or not, becomes a very important question. So what are you spending your time on? Are you going to be spending on content? Are you going to be spending on uh, campaigns? Are you going to be spending on performance marketing? Performance marketing, I'm talking about things like Google ads, LinkedIn ads, and things like that. And, or are you going to be doing events? Thankfully, uh, you know, because of uh, COVID, uh, this, this is one benefit that people have stopped wasting money on uh, on events. Um, and so ultimately, it, it's going to be, you know, you doing a set of things that really matters to the organization. That's where, uh, you know, the core of revenue marketing is. That's why it is very, very important. Uh, It's not, it's not like, you know, uh, me picking up a set of things and working only on performance. No, you can still work on content. You can still work on, uh, you know, ABM and all of that. But ultimately, if it's going to at least generate interest from the right kind of people towards your organization, does it add value to the entire process? That is where uh, revenue marketing comes in.
0: Do you have a framework for revenue marketing that you teach people?
1: Yes. So in the book, I talk about something called the game model, uh, which stands for gather, agree, map, and execute. Um, so what it means is that generally sales and marketing teams uh, you know, tend to have different goals. You know, I'm not talking about the good old times where uh, they were absolutely um, at loggerheads. No, I mean, it, it, in reality, it's it's not that bad as, uh, you know, we sound to make it. But the thing is, uh, you know, what happens is sales teams have their own set of goals. And when marketing, uh, the way it aligns with sales, if it's not contributing to that, market, they are not going to see value in what marketing offers. So, for example, if you're um, you know working with them and helping uh, them reach a set of accounts, for example, if you're reaching a set of people that um, you think are most valuable to our organization, first, even before you going out and creating that list, you need to um, sit down with your salespeople and uh, ask them like, what are the kind of uh, accounts that are working out for them? And the best part about this entire journey is that uh, a salesperson, if you just go and ask them, um, what are the top five accounts that you think are are you going to be closing this month without even looking into the CRM, they're going to just say it right off the bat because they are at it day in and day out. Now, you gather your list and then sit down with your sales team and agree upon what is your tier one, tier two, tier three list that you want to reach out. So does it make sense? I think that this is the ICP, but do you see, uh, you know, it makes sense to you based on the things that you're talking to, based on the people that you're talking to on a daily basis, does this list make sense? So once you agree upon this, then the next stage, you start mapping out your marketing programs. So, do I uh, do I send out emails to these people? Do I create ads on specific platforms, or do I create content? Uh, what are the kind of things do I do to reach out to these people? And then, once that is done, how does the salespeople uh, you know how do the salespeople map to this? Um, do they uh, start doing their uh, reach out campaigns in terms of calls? After two touches or three touches, when do I when when do they actually get in connection with them? When does that conversation happen? And finally, the execution of this, right? So the execution is, uh, what do we actually treat as uh, a proper contact into the system? When do we agree? And for all these things, what are the kind of tools that we need? What are the kind of process that we establish to this? You know, um, for example, it could be as fundamental as agreeing as to what a sales qualified lead is. You know, uh, that itself is a definition that is a problem in most organizations. Somebody thinks that it is just about uh, somebody who has signed up for your product. Somebody thinks that, hey, um, once the free uh, sign up is done, um, unless they go to the next level and start a conversation with sales, that's not it. So everybody's going to have different definitions. You establish a baseline and then start working towards it. So this is a broad outline as to where we need to be. But at specific levels, if you go down deep, then it's going to boil down to the people, process, technology, and everything that enables this entire process.
0: Can you share with us any stories of other organizations that have implemented revenue marketing and and maybe the results or the impact that it had for them?
1: So, for example, there is this uh, organization in Estonia uh, called OutFunnel, which uh, follows revenue marketing quite heavily. In fact, they have a product around this. And uh, the best part is, uh, you know, the entire process revolves around uh, measuring even things at the channel level. So the clarity that it gives them is that um, it's not just like, if you look at how people measure your CAC, that is uh, customer acquisition cost. In most organizations, it's just broadly, um, you know, your uh, total money spent by uh, the number of customers acquired. That's, That's the broad logic. But you need to know as to What channel is working out for you? You know, do I uh, pour more gasoline on LinkedIn? Do I pour more gasoline on Google Ads? Or uh, do I uh, do more of marketing automation? Uh, What is working out for me? So being able to attribute things at each level and trying to understand that this um, is generating X number of uh, visits and then this is creating X number of, uh, um, you know, demo requests or signups on my uh, website and from there uh, ultimately this is this is the number of uh, customers that i'm getting through this channel so that level of clarity is what it helps and uh, the reason this is very useful is because uh, it saves you from spending money uh, in places that are not working and ultimately optimizing your spend to the kind of uh, you know output or outcome that you're looking for.
0: What's the biggest mistake that you've seen somebody make when implementing revenue marketing?
1: Mistake is uh, number one, I mean, not, not quite a lot. If you understand and uh, look at things, there are not much mistakes happening there. But the fundamental is that um, the alignment of different teams towards implementing this. You know, you need to be first, uh, the belief systems of org- um, certain organizations are different in, in different areas. For example, you cannot measure everything. Um, for example, if you're saying that um, I will implement uh, revenue marketing, but I will make no investment on brand because that is not um, I'm not able to measure the outcome. That is a fundamental mistake you shouldn't be doing because um, the more your brand grows, you know your CAC is going to come down over a period of time. Just to give a simple example, you know when I first joined Avoma in April, uh, the number of people searching for the keyword Avoma was under 10. And now it's somewhere close to 1000. So what happens is now I see people bidding on Avoma as a keyword from the competition as well. Um, As as an impact, what happens is over a period of time, when your brand gets known, there are certain keywords or there are certain things about your product or platform that also gets popularized, uh, you know, parallelly, And your cost per acquisition in the sense like you're not going to spend heavily only on certain channels. There are There is going to be an increase in direct traffic. There is going to be an increase in people coming in inbound purely because they've heard of you or you've been out somewhere. I mean, they know who you are. So that thing comes on over a period of time. So calling something uh, purely measurable based on what you see as revenue marketing is a fundamental mistake. That's something that I see quite often.
0: Uh, when we decide we want to implement revenue marketing, uh, what resources, software, technology, what tools do we need uh, to effectively implement a good revenue marketing strategy?
1: You can start with as simple as literally just a Google Sheet. That that should simply do at the beginning. But uh, the levels of sophistication increase based on the different kinds of programs that uh, you want to do. Like as a one-person team, if you are not looking at a lot of things, if you think that I'm going to look at just one channel and I'm going to invest on adverts, for example, Google Ads, for example, Um you don't need anything. You just need to have a good Excel sheet where you're uh, forecasting properly and able to optimize over a period of time. But over a period of time, when you're looking at different things, uh, then you can start looking at uh, bringing in a proper marketing automation platform, like say a HubSpot or a Marketo, Or uh, then, then you can look at uh, bringing in, uh, you know, CRM slash uh, email marketing tools like active campaign and all of that. And you can also start bringing in conversation intelligence tools where you're trying to, Listen to what a customer or a prospect are saying, and how do I map this to the entire process? So there are going to be uh, things coming in at different stages, but I would say to, for starters, you will. It's not very tool heavy. It's more uh, you know people and process heavy, and then tools come in to fill in the gaps.
0: Thank you so much, Yogg, for sharing your stories and insights with us today. To learn more about or connect with Yogg, you can visit his website at avoma.com. You can get his books at book, And you can check out the ABM Conversations podcast. And there's links to each of those sites on the blog post for this episode at monetizationnation.com. You can also get a free copy of my ebook about passion marketing and learn how you can become a top priority of your ideal customers at passionmarketing.com. Thank you so much for joining me for this episode, and I wish you success in your revenue marketing. Do you want to become a better digital monetizer? To receive great monetization stories and secrets, please go to monetizationnation.com and join free. And if you liked today's episode, please subscribe to the show and share it.